Hello and welcome. I'm Herman Stewart, and you are listening to Finding Your Path, the podcast where you will hear from our guests on how they found their paths in life, family, and their careers. Today, we'll be spending time with Raj Holness, who is a multi-award winner, author, speaker, and the CEO of Breaking the Silence. During this talk, Raj had so much to share about her career journey, upbringing, and challenges she has had to overcome. This is good, so let's dive in. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Finding Your Path, the podcast where we interview leaders, achievers, and celebrities about how they found their paths in life and success. And today I am so glad I am I'm jubilant, actually, and I don't usually use that, use that word jubilant to have the guest that, that we have with us today. She is a multi-award winner. She can talk about her awards, but it's multi-multi. She's an author and she's the CEO of a transformational organization. I don't think there's anything more for me to say, but to introduce you to Raj Holness. Raj, how Hi. are you today? I'm really well. How are you? I am doing so good. And uh, I've been looking forward to today for a number of reasons. You know, I I know you as a person. You know, yeah. I've seen you speak and do the TEDx thing. And, you know, I, I know that you're inspirational. And I really want to be able to bring you in to be able to share your story and your journey with the audience. I mean, how have you felt about coming on to the podcast you know what? I was uh, mixed emotions. One, because I know you. Um, yeah. so that was good because um, I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, I'm, I'm coming in with the, I have no idea what questions you're going to ask me, how it's going to go. So mm. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what unveils really from, from this. Mm. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. I mean, we, we just have to get the ball rolling. I mean, knowing you, Raj... Um, you've been on TV, you're on the news, you're in different places with different faces, um, different dignitaries, very interested in your story and the work that you do. So there's a lot of people that have got a perception of who you are and and mm-hmm. and your persona and your character. But I'm very interested in when you think about Raj, who do you see? Who is Raj? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I'm such a, how you see me is how I am. I'm very mm-hmm. giggly. I'm very, I'm very fun. Like I, I have a laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also have this other side, which is, okay, you know, when it's time to step up a level, when it's time to step into territories that are unknown, I'm, I'm there. So I'm a fighter as well as, um, I would say, a woman that's free. Mm. Okay, that that's, that, that's deep. Okay, so when you say a woman that's free, could yeah. you elaborate on that, please? Yeah, um, I think the whole of my life I was conditioned, um, mm. whether through home, whether through um, community, whether through, you know, being brought up, especially being Indian. You know, there was... Um, a way of 
functioning, especially for a girl, how you're supposed to look, how you're supposed to talk, how you're supposed to present yourself. Mm. Um, then on top of that, there was the dictation um, mm. from my upbringing of, you know, well, then what's happening behind closed doors needs to stay and remain behind closed doors. So I always lived a life of um, a lie. Mm. Um, a persona uh, you know you put on your mask I had different masks for different things mm. and then even when I escaped all of that I was still defined by my relationships and my friendships so I was everything that everyone wanted me to be mm. but in each time I did that I lost myself mm. so um, I say free because it's taken me years to get to this place where I, I def, I'm defined by me and not by circumstances or situations or friends or so-called friends or family or, you know, I've always taken on characteristics um, mm -hmm. to be accepted. And I think this is the first time I've got to a place of you either love me or you hate me. And either which one is good. <laughs> you know, want to hate me, that's great. And carry yeah. on. It won't change who I am. It won't define me. Because actually, you've got to know me to love me and hate me. You know, you've got to be Raj. And I don't think anyone has really come to know Raj. Besides my husband. Um, I don't think anyone's come to know me truly um, as Raj. Uh, to be defined so yeah free because for the first time I feel like I can take a breath and it's yes. my if that makes sense it, it does well it's like you're going in you know it's like <laughs> you know you're going deep you know I'm like okay I know you're a deep sister and I know that it's going to be the trend of this talk in a way. You're very reflective. Um, mm -hmm. The work that you do is very powerful. I know we're going to get onto a point where you speak about your work as well. Um, but I feel that, like what you just said about being free, I feel that's so powerful because one of the things that I thought recently is that sometimes we can be imprisoned by the, the opinions of people, you know, and as long as we are afraid of what people think. We can always um, live within the restraints of people's views and perceptions of us. So when you're saying around being able to be free from friends, what people think, and the fact that some people don't fully know who you are, they mm -hmm. would have different perceptions of you. So I'm very glad that you broke that down because that's really powerful. The other thing I really want to go into because as you said, you're free from some of the things that are historical or contextual from the past or from the community of the past or so forth. What are some of the things that you're really proud of? Um, the free person that you are now, what are the things that you're proud of? Oh my goodness. Um, I'm proud of just being able to um, move in whichever form that feels like is necessary in the sense of, um, like I said, I was always defined by my circumstances. I was always defined by a label mm -hmm. and that label being a victim, that label being a survivor, that label being, you know, um, someone that was abused or all these different things. But for me, I think the proudest moment 
for me was my um, turnaround point and that was my faith. Mm. Um, completely um, transformed my life. And I think that's the one of the main um, experiences of my life that I'm proud of. Mm. Wow. And that is a powerful experience, you know, yeah. and it's the, the fact that your faith has turned around your circumstances, your situations and your identity, I can tell that that's a definite, powerful, transformative experience. Is there anything else that you would say you're really proud of? You know, um, I think overcoming, you know, for all of my life, I put myself down, let alone others. You know, you'd never be anything. You're never worth anything. You're not going to amount to anything. And I think, you know, to to be acknowledged for um, the organization that I have and the work that we do. Mm. Uh, I never thought that I could have an experience, go through a journey and mm. then have it um, help others. Mm. Like mm. that was never something that would have registered in my head that my life would amount to something. Mm-hmm. of some worth or some value without having to sell my soul, without mm-hmm. um, lose who I am. Mm-hmm. So, if, you know, when I set up Breaking the Silence, that was a huge, huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. And then getting married, like never in a million years <laughs> <laughs> did I ever think that I would ever get married because I was dead set against it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something that would ne- I probably would have entertained everything else more than me getting married. So that in itself I'm proud of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, and, and, and I know that notably you've mentioned you've got your own Jamaican. So we, we yeah. know that you've got, we, you've got your <laughs> you've got your husband, the, the dearest and dearest Andre. Um you know, he's a great, he's a great man as well. I know, know your husband and he, he, he's yeah. really great. Um, I know as well, you, you've you shared that you're proud of being a mother as yes. well. And what, what does that mean to you? Being oh a my mother? gosh. Uh, I think my daughter's my, my biggest gift um, that I have received to date. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, be pregnant to carry her through and then to find out she was a girl was like oh my goodness this is amazing Mm. um especially because for growing up girls were always frowned upon you know it wasn't something that we celebrated um Mm. having a girl it was always you know if you've got a boy that means it's good life is good you're good if you've got a girl not so good um Mm. when I had a girl it was like it it turned everything of my my journey on its head. And I think that was the, the, the icing on the cake. To be a mother, to have someone um, to nurture, to grow up, to allow her free will. Allow, and when I say free will, within boundaries, obviously, yeah. Yeah. being a child. Um, but, you know, having the advantages that I never had. It was, for me, that was huge. So to see her growing up, she's 10 now, 
um, and being able to have those conversations, her being able to be involved in what we do and and understand that actually, that, you know, there's a lifestyle that goes on that you're not privy to. Mm-hmm. Um you would never experience that however how do we support those that do and she's she's amazing she really is she brings a smile to my face a few more gray hairs but she brings a smile (laughs) (laughs) i i feel there's something that you said before um which which has touched it's touched me in a sense of you know when you said that she was a girl and that really um shifted um, your paradigm in a sense of previously potentially there was um, not a celebration around girls or if it was a boy you said if it's a boy it was all good everything's all good but if it's a girl it wasn't um, and that's that to me is is sad um, I mean I'm a father of three daughters you know yeah. and I know um, you know they're amazing and mm-hmm. I think a lot of times girls probably are not celebrated as they should be, you know, which is sad. I mean, what is your, what's your experience with that or what's your thoughts around that concept? Because it sounds like you've processed it and considered it a while. Yeah, and there has to be, you know, we say equality. We say, you know, everyone's supposed to be treated the same. The reality is it's not. It's Mm. not the and um, for me, growing up from when she was little made her understand her worth and her value. Mm-hmm. That anyone ever came, she's not swept off her feet and then loses herself. Yeah, wow. That much in love where she forgets who she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's had her, you know, people go, oh, terrible twos, have you experienced it? Not in our house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not what you're going to speak into her. And I was always very careful of the words that she was surrounded by. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to be positive, transformational words. They had to be anything you put your mind to, you can do. Don't yeah. be defined by, oh, but this is a man's job and this is a woman's job. Oh, mm-hmm. but you're a child, you're not an adult, so therefore you can't sit around a table of board members and CEOs. No, come on in, sit and learn. Mm-hmm. And for that's the responsibility is being able to not just tell her by words, oh, you're beautiful and you're this, but actually the actions have to follow through. And mm-hmm. so day one, she's understood, this is my worth, this is my value. If peers at my school don't treat me in that way, then I know how to handle that. Mm-hmm. I know that if they keep coming and doing the same thing and saying sorry over and over again, that means they're not being sincere with their apology. Mm-hmm. So they're you have a choice. You either remain friends or you step away. Yeah. But anyone treat you in any other way that we don't, if we don't treat you like that, then nobody else should. Um, and, and for me, that's the defining. You know, we have to fight for um, our, our young people, whether whether male or female, you know, we have to. And if we don't, we start teaching them, oh, but there's a difference between you. You know, as a, as a boy, you're more celebrated. As a girl, you know, sit silent in the corner. No, mm-hmm. not. We build them up to be entrepreneurs. We build them up to be what they're called and destined to be. We yeah. just pass with them so that they're able to do that. And for me, Abigail's that. You know, you, she's got to understand um, the importance to her life because there's a purpose for her life. That's why... I carried her for nine months. That's mm. why she's here, because there's a purpose. Mm. And her journey is to find that purpose. Yeah. Wow. 
I mean, what what you're saying around um, just even around genderized roles and mm-hmm. genderized things that we do. I mean, we have to always break those things, and it has to just work for what works for our house. So even mm-hmm. when we think about um, genderization and you know mm-hmm. men should do DIY, women should cook, and all those kind of things. The reality of it is, is who is gifted to do it, who has a desire to do it, who wants to do it. Because I mean, I, with your husband, oh my gosh. I was just going to say, if that's the case, staff, you know, people would go, Raj, but you've got to, you know, that was one of my biggest things. I never learned how to cook Indian food. Now, that doesn't mean I can't cook. It just means that I just don't do Indian food, homemade Indian food, because I was never taught that. Well, in fact, I escaped that, (laughs) so I wouldn't get married. But, um, But my husband does most of the cooking, and... That works for our home. And I remember people got all, oh, but you know, as a wife, you're meant to do the cooking. Define mm. who? Yeah. And you're so right because I mean, to tell the truth, I think some of it's a socialization yes. and programs and, you know, social expectations. I mean, to tell the truth, if you're honest about being married and honest about going on that journey, because we've gone on that journey where yeah. me and Anna's had to think about who does what, because I love cooking. Do you know what I mean? There could be an expectation of, uh, you have to cook to be a good wife, or I need to do DIY to be a good husband. But there's things, you know, we switch those things around. You know, we both do both of those things. And we do lots more because it's more around who is gifted, who has a desire, who is the best person suited to do that. And I think that we need to be able to break out of these paradigms and these mindsets that are created that limit us to a certain functionality. And when you said about the boardroom and see, you know, um, like your daughter being able to know that she's able to come into those boardrooms and sit around tables. And there's this saying, and I've, I've posted it a few times and I love it. And it says, we need to teach our daughters to worry less about fitting into glass slippers and more about shattering glass ceilings. Mm-hmm. I, I feel it's crucial that we teach our daughters and empower our women to know that they are as much as they can be, as much as they want to be, you know, their value isn't based on a functionality or what society says. So I think it's powerful powerful what what you're sharing, especially around what you're imparting in your daughter. So I really love the fact that you are tenacious, you know, (laughs) I I could just hear, you know, just... uh, just the, the determination, the resilience and so forth. But those are just things what I think or things that mm-hmm. I've observed of your character and who you are as a person. But what would you say are some of the qualities that you have, um, some of the traits, some of the things that make Raj Raj? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, when I'm passionate about something, I, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> When I'm not, you'll also see. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm defined. You know what people call me crazy faith, yeah. and that defines me. Like that is who I am. If mm. if I believe for one second that you know this is able to be done, I'm there. I'm 100 behind it um, mm. until it comes through. Whether it takes 20, 30, 40 years, you mm. know that's that's who I am. If I believe that actually, God, yes, come on, we can do this, then I'm 100% behind it. Um, I think that's that's me. Um, I'm definitely happy most mm. of the time. Yes. yes. 
And it's the complete opposite to who I was. So that's why I embrace it. I don't apologize for it. It's who I am. You know, I lived a life of wanting to die for years, um, most of my life. So now that I have life, I love it. (laughs) I'm the biggest kid you're going to ever meet. Like, I am the biggest kid. Like, how I'm in a position of CEO, I still don't know. (laughs) So I believe that's who I am. You know, I, I take things I take life seriously but then I also have a laugh with it mm. uh, because I can yeah I, well I, I can straight away tell you why you are CEO um I mean titles aside you know we've all got these different titles yeah. in our roles and you know it, in a sense it helps to pigeonhole and helps to make people know what we do within our organizations and so forth but you are a leader mm. You are a leader. And whether people want to call it a CEO or people want to call it a pioneer, people want to call it a visionary, um, it doesn't really matter. You know, you're a leader. And the fact that you have the opportunity to lead such an organisation, you are the best equipped, the best qualified, and you have birthed this organisation. Like, you know, it's it's another one of your, your your. children you know whenever you start birthing organizations and and I that's what I would say that's why you are CEO um and the reality of it is it's just really about embracing it so as as, you you know because I remember for years um Andre used to say to me you're a pioneer Mm. uh you know that's who you are struggle so much I've never been a titles person Mm. ever Um, and I've always run from it because I'm not I'm more a behind the scenes girl Mm. Um, and he used to say it to me all the time and it used to disturb me to go why does he keep saying that to me (laughs) (laughs) me. Um, but you know what it's taken me it's taken me I would say the last at least two to three years to really to take that on and understand um, the defining of Raj uh, Mm. of okay you know what this is who I'm called to be Mm. Uh, I can fight against it I can keep running away from it but it's ultimately who I'm called to be Mm. and being able to step in and be me who I am and not have to um, water that, that down but okay. create an environment that all of my team um, from every level from board all the way to um, ground level you know our, everyone comes in here and it's not a job and even some of my staff we were having a conversation today and that's what they were saying Raj it's not a job it's, it's something we enjoy giving and it's something we enjoy being in and that's the environment that I've been able to create, I suppose, within this. Uh, but I couldn't have done that if I hadn't have accepted what my calling and what my destiny is. You know, it's, mm. it makes that as much as we sometimes cringe with these titles and these labels, but actually they're the things that um, cover us and take us down a path that ultimately we need to be down. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know something, um, what you just shared is, is quite is quite insightful in that sense of you've had to accept this role to play the parts in the movements that you're playing and it's for some it may define you um 
but it doesn't define you to you. But others people will see that, yeah, you're the CEO and so forth. Why do you feel that some people may run away from the titles that exist? I, I, I don't think that you, you will have all the answers, you know, because quite a generic question. But could you give us some insight? I think titles come with a responsibility. Okay. Um, you know, some titles come with a price that you have to pay. It okay. costs, you know, it's not easy. Um, and you know this, it's not easy running an organization. It's not easy birthing um, a, a, a business or an organization or a charity or whatever it might be. It's not easy having the responsibility of others on your shoulder because ultimately, you know, however I act at breaking the silence, whatever I do um, actually has a ripple effect mm. on every other employee that I have here um, mm. that I'm ultimately responsible for. For us. So I think for me initially, especially for me, when it came to titles was, uh, okay, no, nope, I don't want to be, one, defined by that. Two, I don't want the responsibility of that. <laughs> Please don't put it on me. Um yeah. You know, that that's I think sometimes that's what it is. Sometimes the cost seems far greater than the title itself. Okay. There's no way we we can avoid talking about that now. We, we, <laughs> there's, there's just no way. The way that you just stopped it right there. Edit that bit out. <laughs> I'm not editing that bit out. That part, we're going to talk about it. But where we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about it at the second so if you want to hear Raj kick into the facts about the cost, the cost is more than the title. Like that's some deep stuff, you know, Raj. And I know you're going to bring it and you're going to give us some insight because, as you said, you're very jovial, you know, it's got great sense of humour, very happy. But there's definitely a serious side of Raj there's definitely a thoughtful side of Raj there's definitely a well considered and measured side of Raj and I feel the facts that you're talking about the cost it will be very insightful for us that are looking to continue to find our path as we're walking down this journey of finding our path what that means so I want to say thank you to everyone for listening to us up until this point I want you to have a bit of a break, go and put the kettle on, go and get a copper, you know, go and reflect on some of the things that Roger said. Don't go too far. We'll have a short interlude. And then on the other side, we'll come back and Raj will share the cost of the price of leadership and what she's doing in the organisation that she's running and pioneering and so forth. So... I'm looking forward to that, you know, Raj, because I know you. I know you got some stuff to share. I know you're gonna get deeper. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so listen, we'll be back shortly. Don't go too far. Thank you for listening to Finding Your Path. This episode is sponsored by The Mentors Mentor, providing executive support to leaders 
and partners in organizations who are committed to creating truly inclusive environments, improving employee well-being and developing their emerging leaders. If you want to find out more about how the Mentors Mentor can support you or your organization, please contact Herman Stewart via LinkedIn or email herman at hermanstewart.com. Thank you. Finding Your Path with Raj Holness. I am just so blessed by your contribution, your authenticity, um, your share, the way that you're just expressing and articulating your ideas. But what does authenticity mean to you, Raj? Um, it's being the true version of yourself. Okay. And uh, hence the freedom. Um, you know, authentic isn't um, taking what is already, I suppose, pioneering, isn't it? And that's what we were saying before mm. we had a break. You know, authentic is um, being your natural, true self in whichever way that looks. Um, and for me, that that is one of the things that I know I define myself by and what others define me by, is that actually I am very authentic in who I am. I'm authentic in my faith. I'm authentic in my walk. I'm authentic in my decisions because they've got to be true to the vision first and foremost of my life mm-hmm. um, and also then following that path. Is it is it going to lead me to not what's out there already and, and replicating the, the things that are already out there? Is there another large, you know, am I, am I going to do what everybody else did, which is if you take a bit of this and take a little bit of that, adopt that, then we'll accept you. Mm. Then being authentic to the true version of you. Mm. In that original piece. It's and then a couple. I'm sorry, yeah, sorry to cut you off. I thought you finished there. Um, I feel you're saying a few very reflective things and in in a sense sometimes they can be quite nebulous in the sense of people um, you know it's hard to define or it's hard to put your finger on it but you're saying being your authentic self being yourself how does someone discover who they are how does someone come to that place of knowing what their authentic self actually is? Yeah, it takes a journey, I would say. Um, Because for me, if you had asked me this question how many years back, I would have had no clue. And I would have given to you what everybody else gave to me. You know, to find myself, for example, I'll take it through my journey. I had to unravel everything that I had adopted and made become my identity. So I had to literally um, be stripped Mm. of everything because I didn't know what was originally mine Mm. and sewn into my identity. I I couldn't define the two. Mm. I had to just completely go back to the foundation and all I had was my name. Okay. Wow. And it 
step by step then. And it sounds so crazy, but it was starting from the basics of what is my favourite food? Like, not what others have put on me. What do I like? Mm. What music do I like? What books do I like reading? You know, it was, I had to find me and it took a trial and error and some things worked and some things didn't. Mm. But you eventually come to that place and I say freedom a lot of being able to go, this is who I am now. This is what I understand. And, and as years go by and, and, and age progresses, you know, we change anyway. And it's been able to change knowing that it's you doing that and not necessarily controlled by somebody else. Yes, we can get people's um, points of view across. I could ask you, Herman, how do you see me and take some of that and go, yeah, I get that. That's me. That's not. Or maybe that's how I come across. Some people go, actually, your tone for others um, is, I remember one lady coming into a room and someone had said to her, gosh, you're very harsh in your talking and how you even whisper. And she had no clue. And she's like, but this is how I've always been. And she didn't realize how she was coming across. So there's some things that we learn from others. Mm. But the, the definition of us has to come from us. It has to come from, okay, what am I, what is my, and for me ultimately was what was my purpose. And that's where I was hand in hand in my faith. Okay, God, you created me for a reason. What was it? <laughs> let's let's figure out that what that was and and take that process of okay was this originally from from what I was supposed to take on or was this forced on me and then it's and that's a scary thing to do strip to the bare bones and then start over yeah well it 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 sounds like it would take a lot of courage and I feel mm -hmm. this is probably why a lot of people do not get to the place of um, greater definition or get to the place of, um, as they say in the Maslow hierarchy of need, self-actualization, mm -hmm. um, in a sense of, you know, having a great or higher expression of themselves because they're not prepared to let go of stuff, not prepared to let go of their old identity, not prepared to let go of how they first perceived themselves or how their parents perceived them and so forth. And I feel it's so important to be able to find um, find yourself and follow the clues, you know, like Ansel and Gretel, follow the, the breadcrumbs and, you know, whatever those breadcrumbs are for you to give you insight concerning who you could be. So when I think about you and think about all the different things that you've been saying, freedom's very massive for you, faith's very massive for you, um, being able to not be confined by someone else's perception or, or what they view you to be. And at the same time as being very purposeful and being able to be productive and being in line with what destiny and core that you've been talking about. So that kind of leads me to um, breaking the silence. You know, we've heard about breaking the silence a couple of times throughout the interview, but I want you to share with us what is breaking the silence and what does it mean to you and why is breaking the silence important? Um, breaking the silence for me uh, really defines the, the battle and the journey that I had to get to this point. Mm. Uh, Breaking the silence for me is the ultimately one of the costs that I was talking about that, you know, you have to pay or you, you choose to pay 
Mm. Um, I set up Breaking the Silence originally because there was a need. Um, <clears throat> and the need was for those that were suffering in silence. Um, a need for those that have sat with us for years and you wouldn't even have a clue of what's going on behind closed doors for them. Mm. That for years, you could be sitting with someone, a work colleague, for example, and think that you know them and really that their secret is so well kept that you wouldn't have a clue. And unless someone came and shared that story with you, you'd be surprised. Family members that you've known for most of your life or all your life have that secret. And for me, that's what breaking the silence was, that I have to create a platform that goes against what's taboo. You know, the topics we should talk about and we shouldn't talk about. Mm. Uh, breaking the silence is to break the barriers of domestic abuse, mm. uh, forced marriages and trafficking, sexual exploitation, trauma. You know, it's, it's the breaking of the, uh, I can't talk about it because it, it, nobody will believe me or it was my fault um, or where would I go? Um, and people will look at me differently or define me by it. You know, that's what breaking the silence was set up for, was to do what the name says, which is that for so many of us, it's held us prisoner mm. because shame or the guilt or, you know, the, the oh, but I'm tarnished. Um, for me, it was pushing past uh, filling out a form. It was pushing past stats. It was coming to the person mm. and saying, actually, your life matters. What is it you need? I don't care if we've got money in our account. What do you need? Um, I don't care if we can't physically find any funding. What do you need? And it was being able to see that person for the person's worth and that value, not what was put on them for them to feel. So... For me, that was the importance of setting up Breaking the Silence was to do that. You know, for years I had um, gone through the system. I had left home, left everything I had known um, and was in and out of different women's refuge. And as great as it was to have a roof over my head, the support really for me at the time wasn't really there. And I found that so difficult and I couldn't understand why so many women were going back to the perpetrators. Um, and then I realized once I started to work at most of them that actually, okay, it's because the mental and emotional support that's needed isn't always there because of lack of funding or because of resources aren't available. You know, for me, it was a, it was a heartache. Mm. And, and that was one of my biggest pushes to say, I've got to, I've got to do something different. I've got to be able to say, you know, we offered everything we physically could, emotionally could, and we tried everything that we were possibly able to try. Um, and that's what that's what uh, we do, you know, whether it's offering support through uh, a recovering program or a healing program to get those that have gone through an experience that haven't been able to deal with it or face it, you know, for some of us, uh, uh, it started at young age or it happened when we were young and it's never been something we've talked about but imagine I mean that's something that we're carrying through the rest of our journey mm. and it has an impact on some of the decisions that we make consciously or subconsciously mm. you know so for me it was to 
breaking the silence to ultimately create freedom, mm. freedom for that person. And that's what we do, whether it's finding them a safe refuge to get into uh, or offering emotional, mental um, support, counselling, whatever it may be through our programmes. And then also children and young people educating organisations and education, Mm. um, offering it on that level to say, I think if I had had, and for me, the drive is always what would have helped me during that time. Mm. Taught in the schools that abuse isn't necessarily a broken bone or a black eye, that mm. actually psychological, it's emotional, it's cohesive control, it's it's um, sexual, it's financial, it's spiritual. If I had known all of these things back then, it probably wouldn't have taken me 20 years to break my silence. Mm. Uh, and that's what breaking the silence is defined to do. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Um, It's such a serious matter, such a serious issue. And may that really be an answer to you concerning why you're CEO, you know, um, in the sense of just the connection of your own experience and the connection of your story. I mean, do you want to share a bit of your story concerning you know, how you got to where you are now to give people a bit of context? Because I know your story. I know a bit, I know about you. I know some of the experiences that you've had, but even if you wanted to just give people a bit of your background concerning how you understand about breaking the silence. And just like you said, it took 20 years for you to break your silence. Yeah, well, my my abuse started um, uh, as ridiculous as it sounds and then you'll understand why I celebrate Abigail was because I was a girl I was born a girl Mm. um you know I have two older sisters than me an older brother um and my parents wanted four children so me being the fourth out of five children they wanted me to be a boy Mm. Uh, my grandfather was um the one who really loved and protected me and he was the first encounter of love that I had Mm. that angered me um, he passed away when I was five. So everything spiraled out of control from then, um, from the moment he passed. So emotional abuse, you know, being told I was stupid, I was ugly. Um, I'd never amount to anything. I'm not worth being loved. So I started to believe those things. Mm. So the verbal abuse really impacted my life. Mm. Um, I started to become my identity. Yeah. Uh, I was sexually abused from the age of seven going up. Mm. and then I left home um like I said for years Herman I was suicidal I was broken I was distraught I hated life Mm. Uh, I hated everything that life represented I was depressed I was I was miserable but I I mastered a mask I knew how to put your best foot forward and brush yourself off and I did that to the best of my ability Mm. and The only way, the word I use is groomed. You know, that's from a child I was groomed into a way of thinking Mm. and functioning. That even when I escaped home thinking that I was free, Mm. uh, coming out of one fire into another. So then the boyfriends that I had um, seemed to have been the same as what I left as Mm. my family. So I was attracting the same type of people, abusive. Mm. 
again into this bitter um, cycle that and prison that I just couldn't break out of mm. because I had no worth, I had no value, I hated myself, mm. I wanted to die. Um, and then how I was treated on top of that proved why my worth and my value was so low. Mm. Um, that's all I'm here to do is be a punching bag, is to be someone that can be raped constantly or beaten or battered. Um, and then I remember even with my boyfriend, uh, my, my ex-partner, at the time, I w- it took me about a year and a half to get away from him. Uh, and he's someone I don't talk about as much. Everyone knows about my family and the abuse I went through there. Um, he was horrific, he, um, constant torture. He was a narcissist, you know, just it, evil to the core um, and found pleasure in tormenting me, um, in beating me down, in degrading me, um, And I remember the one time, the only decent thing he did was introduce me to one of his friends who at the time was a Christian. And that's how I came to know about Christianity and my faith. Um, And that's the only decent thing that man did for me. Um, And I I remember in my head saying, God, help me get out. Like, I knew I was stuck. Uh, Statistics say two women a week are killed by a current or former partner. And the day I managed to take the courage to finish with him and told him it was over and, you know, take all his stuff. And um, that day his words were, well, then if I can't have you, no one's going to have you and Mm. proceed to uh, attempt to kill me. Mm. And I remember the life being sucked out of me and going, okay, but now finally I can rest. Finally, I'm going to have peace because I can't fight him. He's bigger than me. I suffered with anorexia at the time. So I I was absolutely skin and bone, Um, no strength, no energy, not even the drive to want to fight to live. Mm. Um, Welcomed it with open arms. And I remember uh, at my last breath, um, and at that moment I knew that, okay, God, you either have to come through for me or I'm, I'm gone. There's no other way that I can come out of this. Mm. At the time saying, okay, God, help me, save me if you're real. Yeah. And in that moment he got off me. And, you know, some people get uncomfortable when you talk about faith and I'm unapologetic about it because he saved my life. Mm. Uh, and I, everything I am today, I owe to the God that I serve and my faith. Mm. Um, you know, and, and for me was for the first time um, I saw something that I'd never saw, which was somebody, somebody answered. Somebody heard me, <laughs> let alone answered. Somebody heard me. Mm. And I remember in that moment going, never. I have two options. I either be a victim for the rest of my life yeah. or I'll fight. And I make everything that I experienced become a platform and say this can't happen again to anyone, let alone me. Um, and that's what I did. It took me, I say, seven years to really heal and go through my journey. And that seven years was through writing my autobiography. Mm. And I found that for the first time, taking all those masks off, seeing it for what it was, acknowledging the labels of rape, um, incest, you know, abuse, rejection, neglect, all of those labels, anorexia, um, uh, having to look at what each one carried and the weight 
what it carried and then the cost being that I had to then un, unpack the the story behind each box or each label mm. and really comes with what happened because for my whole life I lived a life of denial so now for the first time I'm talking truth and I'm receiving truth and I'm accepting truth and the antibiotics of that aren't don't taste very nice. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm struggling with it. Um, I, I have to finish the course, but I want to just stop midway because it's too painful. Mm. Um, it's too traumatic. It's too shameful. Mm. And that was my biggest battle to um, have my book published was not so much having everyone be aware of my journey. It was the shame that I carried with the journey. Yes. It was the shame of you know, people being able to go, oh my gosh, she's that girl that, you know, got raped or she's that girl that got beaten. These weren't things that I celebrated yet. And I lived such a private life to then be so public with it was a, a, a another cost that I had to go, okay, Raj, but then how are you going to help others? And it wasn't until I got my first um, letter through the PO box of my book, and it was this young lady, um, 28 years old, and she said, you just saved me from committing suicide. Wow. She mm. said, I thought it was just me. Mm. She was going through abuse at home, but she, like me, thought it was normal and that you're supposed to just shut up and put up. And she said, I realize now it was a lie. Mm. And she decided to fight. Wow. And I remember reading that letter and, and ultimately you're left with a choice then, aren't you? What are you going to do? Because in the same breath of getting that letter, I was getting death threats. Mm. And the death threats were, stop talking about what you're talking about or we'll kill you. Mm. you know, so you have the two, one on one hand, one on the other, and you say, the easiest one would be to stop mm. because my life is already at risk with my family looking for me to do an honour killing. Mm. And then I've got these random people that have heard about me that don't want me to talk um, and don't want to apparently infect and affect their young girls, their sisters, their daughters. Mm. And I shut up and, and put myself back in that corner and never talk again. Mm. Um, or I use that one letter, that first letter with that first sentence and say, you know what, if I can keep changing one person's life, then it's worth the cost. Mm. It's worth the cost. And for me, in that moment was my choice to mm. say, scream as loud as you can, as hard as you can, and don't let anyone shut you up even when you're having those down days and, you know, what am I doing this for? And I haven't got two pennies to rub together. It'll be worth it because if it changes one person's life from thinking suicide is the only option, mm. then I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Then my life amounts to something. Every bitter, bad, traumatic experience will equate to something that's so far greater than what I could have even imagined. And that's what I did. I then took the letters that I would get that were, you helped me, thank you so much. 
you changed me. Um, you know, what do I do with the shame and the guilt that I'm carrying? What do I do with what I've inflicted on myself to then go in, right? Let's keep pushing. Let's keep pushing past the barriers that have been so built up high mm. that it gives people hope. Mm. Men and women, it gives them hope to yeah. say, if I can talk about my shame so openly mm. um, and so publicly, then, then so can you and you don't need a platform. Your platform is when you can stand by yourself and say, you know what, I'm not taking this anymore. That's your platform. Mm. When you can get up and say, you know what, that's, that's the last time mm. that I, I take on that lie that if you talk about it, what are people going to think? You'll never have no friends. This is what's going to take place. Then I'm going to change it and turn it around. Mm. And for me, Herman, that was, that was weighing it up and saying, then everything I've gone through was worth it. Yeah. Because that then gives me the authenticity to talk about it. That then gives me the credentials to say, I understand what you're going through mm. because I've been there. I'm making and I've paid the same kind of price that you're now having to look at paying. Because yeah. sometimes, you know, the, the cost of anything, you know, being a, being a housewife, being a mother, being a wife, being a woman, um, being a CEO, being an entrepreneur, being an employee, you know, being a, a man, being uh, a husband, being a brother, you know, all of those things come at a cost. Yeah. And we have to be able to, and only we as individuals can make that decision to say, you know what, then am I willing to pay it? And for me, ultimately, you know, I'm, a, I'm an Indian girl that's run away from home three months before her wedding, married a Jamaican, have a mixed race child. <laughs> Talk about all these things that as an Indian girl, we're not taught to talk about. Mm. I've ticked every box that you possibly can and then became a Christian on top of it mm. that would cause an offence um, that are taboo. But I'm going to keep breaking every barrier. Mm. I'm going to keep breaking the silence of these areas that we're so confined in a box to. Like, mm. that's the price I chose to pay. And the death threats can keep coming, but it'll just make me shout that little bit louder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. Oh. <laughs> Today was going to be fire, but come on now. Oh. <laughs> you started it. <laughs> wow. Oh, gosh. I mean, just I just want to say... Um, my admiration for you is just, I mean, I've always had an admiration for you, admired who you are, even before I even fully knew your story. Mm. You know, um, and to find out your story and to know who you are and how you carry yourself and how you have reinvented yourself, you know, and I know it's got to do with your, with your faith. Yes. I know it's got to do with your belief and your commitment to your faith. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have had to consent. 
you've had to agree, you've had to give yourself the permission to be different, give yourself the permission to go beyond, give yourself the permission to feel uncomfortable, but still press past that discomfort mm-hmm. to be able to find a new place of freedom, a new place of being free. And I just want to say, I commend you. I really do. I, you know, just to listen to, you know, at the start of the talk and you're saying that you're happy and, you know, free and all this kind of stuff. And no one really fully knew the story and no one fully knew what you was going to share. And to, I never knew what you was going to share. <laughs> so as we spoke and said, I don't know what you're going to say. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to say or I'm going to ask or what's going to happen or, you know, um, but the fact that you have just shared what you've shared and given people a real insight into why you are the CEO, why you are the leader of the organization, why you are a credible, congruent person to lead the movement around helping people to break that silence because you've broken the silence and continue to break the silence as you go on. And I just want to say, you are a special person and, you know, thank you for being you, you know, as in, you know, that was a part of the talk as well, that you are you and you're being you and being your authentic self. Well, you know what, Herman, thank you. And it means a lot. And you know that, uh, and even to, you know, be on the platform um, with you and to be able to, to talk. Uh, Cause like I said to you, I don't really do these kind of interviews. So it was, it was interesting to see what would come out. So, you know, it's it's nice uh, to to take that journey with you. So thank you so much. Oh gosh, wow! Um, and this is <laughs> where do I go? I kind of you know, it's like to drop the mic kind of thing. <laughs> but we can't drop the mic yet. We still I've got a few more questions. You know, um, and before I ask these questions, I just want to be able to give you the opportunity to share. Um, with people that need to reach out to you. You know, there's going to be different people that are in different places that are listening. You know, some of what you said could have encouraged people to to realise that there's somewhere where they can share, um, they can reach out, they can find out more about the woman behind the movement, the woman behind the mission. Um, But I feel um, that you are real, you're a real safe place and you're a lighthouse you're a beacon of hope because the fact that you've shared what you've shared today is not just the fact that you've shared it because you could have shared what you've shared and you know your demeanor be low you feel defeated feel life ain't worth living even now but the fact that you have your happiness you have your joy you know you have your appreciation of life and you're still moving forward, is what is the real testimony? That is the real testament of the fact that you have gone through that transformation, that that you have been that caterpillar that's become the butterfly. So I feel that that's really powerful. But please let people know um, all the details, you know, website, if they wanted to get in touch with you, you know, what what social media to reach out to you um, and so forth. No, absolutely. Um, You know, first and foremost, please don't stay silent. Don't think that you're too young or too old. Um, The eldest lady that we helped was 89 and she stayed silent for most of her life. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, that's an encouragement to say, you know, don't ever think, oh, but that only happened, you know, 60, 70, 30, 20 years ago. Please talk. 
Um, and if you need that platform to talk, then we're here. You know, one of the things that we offer is counselling, um, and that's for free. So for those of you that need that extra support or or even just to just have an ear to, to listen to, then please give us a call. You can call us directly in the office um, between the hours of 9 to 5 on 0121. Two eight five double two double seven. You can find us on our website, which is all the W's, three W's dot btsuk dot org. BTS being Bravo Tango Sierra UK dot org. Uh, social media wise, you can either find us through my name, Raj Holness. Holness, not holiness. I'm not quite there yet. So. <laughs> O L N E S, or you can um, Twitter is BTS UK underscore. Um, Facebook is uh, Breaking the Silence UK. But if you log on to our website, all our social media links are on there. And like I said, please, you know, speak up. We have programs. We're looking to transform everything onto an online platform as well, um, so that the programs can continue. But please don't suffer in silence please don't hold it in and think that but it was so long ago um we're here and and every person that's involved with us um it's not a nine-to-five job uh you know we're here to to take your call and hear however that needs to be mm. wow okay gosh boom <laughs> i knew this was gonna be like <laughs> Powerful, Raj. This is definitely one of my most powerful podcasts. Oh, like I knew you. Was, oh, okay. Come on now. Come on now. I, I just, Come on, you're nearly there, Herman. You're nearly there. <laughs> I just want to say, you know, just really proud of you. Really proud of of what oh, you're doing. Thank you. What you. Just what what you stand for. You know, really thank proud. You. And um, I just want to really end on this question. Yes. Um, actually, I've got two questions. Let's go for this first one. Um, so you've lived this life, you know, yeah. you are where you are now. You found your Jamaican. You've got your <laughs> girl. You know, you're pioneering your organisation. You know, you're a CEO, well-revered, award-winning author. Um, mm-hmm. You have paid the price, mm-hmm. a price that was so much to pay. But you have got a disposition now and you are glad about being you now. You celebrate mm-hmm. you and you're free. I want to take you back to 21. <laughs> are you old, dear? <laughs> yeah. And, and well, I want to take you back to 21 as you now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. it's like the Christmas story. It's like Scrooge going back and going forward. It's still him. But you are an amazing person now through the process of what you've gone through, but you're able to now talk to the 21-year-old self. You, mm. your future self, being able to talk to your 21-year-old self. What would you say to, to yourself, Raj? I remember thinking, what on earth am I doing? Because at 21, I knew I couldn't go back. And I remember sitting in the, I I struggled with the name. It wasn't even a women's refuge. It was called a battered women's home. Mm. And my 21st birthday was spent in there. Mm. And 
all of my birthdays prior to that were depress- depressive anyway. They weren't really celebrated unless we had random relatives turn up on the day and then it'd be celebrated. But other than that, I remember sitting there with not a penny to my name and just saying, end it, just end it. And for me now to be able to go back and say, my gosh, there's a life waiting for you. Like, hold on, hold on and sit with your head held high. Mm. And for me, that's what it would be, is to be able to tell Raj then that the Raj that is now sees further down the line and it'll be all worth it. Mm. And, And to take an account of everything so that you never forget where you're coming from. And for me, that's what it would be, you know, to to sit there with, like I said, just the clothes on my back. They'd taken everything from me, all my money, everything. Um, but to be able to know, gosh, this is the life that waits you. Yes, there's going to be a few more roller coasters. There's going to be a few more downhill experiences, but it'll be worth it in the end. And that's what I would tell Raj if I went back to that 21-year-old now. Wow. Okay, Okay, my last question. Yes. Is what do you want to be remembered for? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. (laughs) Hmm. I think ultimately my biggest heartbeat is my relationship with God. Mm. And for me, what I'd be wanting to be remembered for and what I'd be wanting to be remembered by is that in God and with God, I was able to achieve all that I've achieved. Mm. And whether that means that achievement is changing um communities, changing homes to understand that abuse isn't a way of living. Uh, For me, that's what it'd be, that authentic, faith-filled woman that never let a wall stand between her and her destiny. Wow. Raj, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being true. Thank you for showing up in your whole self, you know, bringing your whole self to this this um, podcast and to the stage of life, you know, because this is uh, consistent outside of this forum and this platform. You are who you present yourself to be. And I'm really glad um, that you felt um, that you desired to share this part of who you are with with us all via finding your path. Um, I'm really grateful. Thank you, Herman. It means a lot, genuinely. Thank you. And um, I want to say thank you for everyone joining us today, you know, during this episode of Finding Your Path. 
And I hope that you take lots of takeaways. Oh, just so much notes to be taken. And I hope that you implement what you implement and do what you need to do and know that you don't need to be restricted or stopped or limited or constrained by the life that you may be experiencing or the life that people say that you should be living, but you can live your best life if you take your steps and you continue to find your path. Thank you. And I look forward to you joining me and my guest next week. Um, thank you very much. Take care. Goodbye.